morning, everyone. And no, I ain't Paul. Paul is a great teacher. I've thoroughly enjoyed his presentations. We continue in uh, our study of Proverbs, and we're going to be looking at chapters 13, 14, and 15 today. And before we do, I'd like for us to go to our Father in prayer. And uh, Ken, if you would please lead us. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this, another beautiful, beautiful Lord's day that you gave us. And for the time and opportunity now that we have to study from your word, glean more things that can help us as we try to live our Christian lives as best we can each and every day. We pray that you would be with Larry as he leads us in this class this morning. We pray that you would be with David as he brings a sermon to us a little later. Be with all those that are teaching in the little ones' classes that everything that we say and do and that is taught today will be in accordance with the things that are shown in your will. Most of all, we want to thank you for our loving Savior, Jesus Christ, for the true love that was shown that day that he was willing to give his own life for no fault of his own because of the sin in our lives. We're so thankful for his life, his death, burial, and his glorious resurrection third day, that we know that he lives and we can live through eternity with you if we live our lives as we should on this earth. Help us to grow spiritually each and every day that we get on this earth. Help us to be better Christians possibly tomorrow than we're able to be today. Forgive us and continue to be with us. In Christ's name, amen. We'll be turning to uh, Proverbs 13. We'll begin there. Looking at chapters 13, 14, and 15. What I want to do is uh, consider eight Proverbs from these three chapters in Proverbs. Uh, and we will look at each one of these eight. And then, of course, I know all of us are reading anyway from the text. But these are eight of the uh, more significant ones in, in my mind. And so that's how I've chosen to uh, uh, cover these three chapters. So beginning with Proverbs 13, let's look at verse 24. Proverbs 13, 24. Which reads, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. So I think, looking back, that uh, my father loved me a whole lot. <laughs> he did not spare the rod, or more to the point, the belt. Mother did the switch, daddy did the belt. I still remember my last uh, belt whipping. I was, I guess, around 11 years old, well old enough to know better, over in the old church building. And uh, I don't know how many of you remember Anna Catherine uh, Cunningham. Some of you older ones will remember Sister Cunningham. Her son Wallace and I were uh, good buddies. 
Wallace. And uh, so Wallace and I were sitting on the front bench, either during, well, I guess it was preaching because I'd be in Bible class otherwise. And this was back before the air conditioning and it was summertime and we had the funeral home fans. And Wallace and I discovered that if we take that staple, stapling the cardboard to the stick, and pull it out, we could stick each other with it. And so we were doing that. And so we thought we were being very discreet in our fun while the preaching was going on. But my dad could uh, see us, you know, doing this kind of thing. And as soon as the last amen was said, I felt a sharp pain in my shoulder as dad kind of picked me up. He never said a word during this whole episode. We just went to the men's bathroom, restroom, which was in that long wing, the one that has the exterior door over there. That used to be the, before they widened it to a big classroom, it used to be the men's restroom. And that's where we ended up. And I got a beating. And I exited through that door. I didn't want to go back through the other way. That was the last time. You didn't have to do that anymore. We're living in a different culture today. And I have been for uh, quite a while relative to rearing children and discipline. It's gotten so bad, it seems nowadays, that uh, if you dare to exercise your parental uh, right and obligation, according to the Bible, uh, you're liable to be reported to somebody and you would be drugged before, uh, what is that department that uh, sees after such things? DHR. Yeah, DHR. So uh, God's word is very plain on this and it is a principle in rearing children. Discipline has to be involved. So whoever spares a rod really hates his son, if you don't discipline, you don't love your children in truth. But he who does love him will discipline him. This is not purely an Old Testament uh, attitude. It's touched on very much in the New Testament. I direct your attention to Hebrews chapter 12. You about want to go there, it's a few verses. Hebrews 12 verses five through 11 relative to this theme. And the Bible reads, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My sons do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as if seemed best to them. 
but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So here the Hebrews writer seems to be drawing attention to, I guess you could say, the imperfect motives of human fathers but, uh, and if we go though to the other extreme or the other side, maybe Ephesians chapter six and verse four uh, kind of puts it all in balance and in perspective. For Ephesians six verse four says, Father, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so, of course, there has to be balance. Uh, the Bible does teach that we are to discipline our children because we love them, not out of anger or any other kind of uh, wrong motive, but simply because it works. It's, it's God's design, it's God's plan. And that's the way he treats us in a spiritual way. But we're not to overdo it. Uh, early on, uh, I remember the advice given as a young father to me, which says that, that in the heat of the moment, when you catch them doing something that they need a whooping and a whop upside the head uh, real good, don't do it right then back off and cool down a little bit and then apply the discipline. Be, and you know why. If you are disciplining a child right in the moment, uh, possibility you're gonna overdo it and regret it later. So there has to be that discipline there. So we're not to provoke our children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But the obligation remains. Proverbs itself exalts the place of tenderness and constructiveness and example in this relationship. So I would call the lesson from uh, this proverb to uh, be spare the rod, spoil the child. Anytime you want to pop in here, feel free to do so. Thank you. Yeah. One, one thought I had on this verse, I think a lot of people get overly focused on the first half yeah. in spite of the second half. And I think a lot of people, because of the culture we live in and because of changing mm -hmm. values, people get defensive on maybe how they were raised or how they've raised children. But I think we should understand, again, in Proverbs, we're talking about principles. We're not right. talking about a literal type of command. Ch children are different from each other. One mm -hmm. method of discipline might work for one child that doesn't work for another. And so this isn't to be taken as a specific type of command. The idea is to provide an illustration of the importance of discipline as a concept. Right. Whatever works properly. Right. Yeah. I just want to caution people because I hear these conversations. Don't get wrapped up in the first part of this. Understand the second part, which is what the first part is representing. Yeah. Is that you need, you need to consider this one. Well put. Yeah, that's good. 
I know, I don't know, Liz, if you remember, maybe I'm misstating this, but for Liz, all it took was just a, a stern look and she'd go to pieces. With me, it took more <laughs> than that. Different ways of accomplishing the same command to discipline our children. Larry, that second half of verse 24 says, but he who loves him disciplines promptly. To me, that means don't yell out of the screen and say, wait till your daddy gets home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got, I, I got a double dipping. I got it with, with mother, and I also got it when daddy got home from work. Same happened with, with school misbehavior. Yeah. turned out though, right? <laughs> All right, let's move on then to the next one I've selected uh, from chapter 14, Proverbs 14 and verse 6. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Uh, I saw in one place that I was looking at in preparing for this, he summed it up by saying, this is teaching wisdom eludes, eludes the know-it-all. The one who uh, comes across as knowing it all is really the one who doesn't have any wisdom at all. But he mentions here the scoffer. Who, who is the scoffer? Who, who is the scoffer here describing? What would he be like? I've got, you know, he, he is the vain and wicked man who recognizes no authority, not even the supreme authority of God's word. And such a man who doesn't recognize any authority, thinking that he knows it all, will really never acquire any real wisdom and understanding. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 14, I think, adds something unique here in this idea. That reads uh, Deuteronomy 30, 14, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. So in other words, wisdom is as near to the man of understanding as a copy of the Bible. For a man who is seeking wisdom and understanding, he will find it all right here in God's word. The scoffer, and our age is full of those that we would call scoffers. Uh, 
I guess uh, one of the things that really gets under my skin are the so-called uh, scientists, uh, the atheist who's got it all figured out, how we got here and what, what it's all about and everything and the very idea of God, a supreme spiritual being overall, a creator, is ridiculous, it's foolishness, and to be scoffed at, and they do, very, very much so. But you know, I, I stand back and I, I look at these PhDs, plus, 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 degree, and uh, acclaim, spouting off these uh, important words and explanations and everything, and doesn't it just fly in the face of just common sense? I mean, look around us. Life is everywhere. Everywhere. Life that came from somewhere. There is discipline. There is organization. There is precision in the universe. And to say somehow just uh, over billions of years just kind of happened this way. It's stupid. And for any honest thinking person to look at this, you reckon it, that it, that's foolishness. They don't use that same logic in any other area, except when it comes to spiritual matters and to belief in God. So that is... Uh, the way I think that that, that, should, that should go. Uh, Proverbs 14 um, and verse 12 is the next one that we will look at. Proverbs 14, 12. This has already been touched on, I think, in a proverb that's already been covered, but uh, we find that a lot in Proverbs. Uh, the same theme, the same thought will be found in various places throughout the book. But here in Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And uh, I would just call this the false trail. One example I can give to illustrate this, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way to death. Uh, as you know, Kay and I are involved in, in sojourning. Uh, was it last, this year? It was last year. We had been uh, on back-to-back -back sojourns uh, beginning uh, in North Carolina, going over into Pennsylvania, and then up into New York. It was a three-day uh, journey for us back, back home. And we had made reservations leaving uh, Horseheads, New York, at two different uh, RV parks on our way home. Uh, we were tired. Uh, I was very tired. And so we were at the last RV park uh, going there to spend the last night. The next day we would be home. 
But as I said, I, I was tired. This is my excuse. I'm setting this up. This, this was my excuse. Uh, we're following our GPS, and we have a GPS that is specific uh, for RVs, and it's supposed to uh, steer you clear of what I call pickles. And uh, you enter in the data, how long your rig is, how high is it, how wide it is, and you enter all that data in, and the little uh, alligators in there, al algorithms or whatever you call them, it's supposed to take that data and keep you clear of problems. Well, we came down, we were within uh, 50 yards of the RV park, and we came down a little hill, and there was an overpass, an old overpass, railroad overpass. And it said 10 foot clearance. I know that my camper is 13 feet. I know that. I pulled down there, and I stopped in case next to me in uh, 10 feet clearance. And you know what I said? I think we can make it. <laughs> and Kay is over there. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah. I think, I think we can. Here we go. And you know the rest. If you look at my camper over there, you'll see a big old scar on the top where it bumped like that. And I was forever backing that thing up 100 yards to turn around and go around the other way. Uh, it was the GPS's fault, not mine. Doesn't that illustrate what we're looking at here? There is a way that seems right at that moment, I was tired. I didn't want to do any more driving. I didn't want to mess with it. Uh, seemed right, but man, was it the wrong way, spiritually speaking. Look how tragic that is. And we see it all the time, maybe even in our own lives, spiritually speaking. There is a way that seems in our logic, in our earthbound logic, Seems right, but the end, therefore, is death. Well, right here actually means straight or level. And it's often a moral term, but here uh, in this little short proverb, uh, it seems to be saying that this is, uh, there, there is a shortcut to success that seems right to men sometimes, but he finds out otherwise when he gets into it. Uh, Verse 14 explains it further. Right. Go ahead and read it. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Yeah. You wanted to go your own way. <laughs> you had the not to. And that's yeah. You know, that was totally illogical. I'm still questioning it. Atheists are totally illogical. Like exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. <laughs> but how, how true it is. Uh, in, in life, it seems like we sometimes are looking for shortcuts. Not to go the, the way that is described in the scriptures and everything, which is often uh, deliberate and slower, taking patience and time. We want a quick fix. We want to go there. 
And so we let our own logic override what scripture teaches is the right way to go. And we end up um, not working that way. Yeah, uh, in Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And then another one in Proverbs 15, verse 19, the way of a slugger is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. And then one more in, uh, I think, in uh, chapter 13, verse 14, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. And there are many others, but here, here is the, the way. Uh, the Lord's way is going to always be... I'm sorry, go ahead. Let me read you one that would go with that. Okay. It's, it's uh, in verse uh, Matthew 7, 21 through 24, when uh, in 22 it said, Many will say in that day that, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name, and have I not cast out devils in thy name? That's an excellent illustration. In the end was not really doing the will of God. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good illustration. Uh, let's go on then to Proverbs 14 and verse 20. Proverbs 14, verse 20. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. And we know this to be true. Sometimes we call them fair weather friends, uh, and they're often mentioned in Proverbs. Uh, in Proverbs 19, verses four and six through seven, it reads, wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Many seek the favor of a generous man and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words but does not have them. But then we see the saying there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother and loves at all times. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin. And here it is. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And so we see the lesson here. Uh, who are your true friends? If you will stick to your guns, stick with the right way, be true to your principles, God's principles, uh, you may not have many friends as the world would define it, but uh, you have friends who are like you and are trying to do right. 
and they stick close. You, you have each other's back. And isn't that true? We see it in our congregation here throughout the brotherhood. Uh, people are going to know us by the love that we have for one another, Jesus said. And uh, that's the way it is. If, if we're doing our best to walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have one another for friends, and uh, we don't need the other kind of friends. I like this next one. Proverbs 15, verse 1. Consider this one. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And just a few words, but look at what that is saying and how true it is. We've seen it in our own experience. Many times in the heat of the moment, uh, in a disagreement or in an argument, uh, you begin to feel flushed. Uh, you're, you're beginning to be more agitated. Your voice level uh, rises. And all of a sudden, before you know it, some words that you didn't really mean to say come out toward this uh, person that you were having a disagreement with. And what does that solve? It only makes matters worse. But isn't it hard sometimes to always respond with a soft answer? Our instinct is to bite back. You know, when attacked, you, you bite back. You jump back at them. But quiet, inoffensive speech has been effective in preventing many a violent encounter. And these are gentle and understanding words, given in a gentle and understanding tone, and tonality is a part of this, not just the words themselves. This is best done not by self-control, but by true freedom from anger obtained by deep integration of the truth of the gospel. It is a rare person who will stay in their rage in the face of humble gentleness. It speaks of gentleness and of tenderheartedness. And these are two fruits actually that we see in the fruits of the Spirit over in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, how does James describe the tongue? It's an unruly evil. You set on fire a, a whole forest with just this one little member. Uh, one of the most difficult things to keep under control with our children, with our mate, with our people that we work with, people in our church family. Uh, it's not always easy to consistently respond with soft words. Um, I need to put before you uh, something that's going on uh, now for a couple of months in uh, the church in Siktokar, Russia. Uh, this is a great congregation. It's over 30 years old now. Had uh, elders since 2020. Uh, 
planted two new congregations nearby. They're evangelistic, benevolent. So many things can be said of how the Lord has blessed this congregation. But all of a sudden, about two months ago, we began to receive emails from different ones in the congregation saying so-and-so has offended me with such-and-such, and then I get emails from somebody else saying, oh, you know, the one that was receiving. The, and uh, it's, a, it's a war of words, and it is threatening the, the unity. Uh, need to be praying for our brethren there. We helped support one of the uh, elders uh, there, Brother Lyndon. But uh, it's a problem. Just, just to illustrate, you know, how easy we can talk about it all day long, but sometimes it happens uh, despite everything. Uh, harsh words that you regret later, and you will. I wish anything I had not said that, or said it in the way that I did. Uh, but who can go back and pick up words that come out of your mouth? You can't. It's like feathers in the pillow scattered by the wind trying to collect them and put them back in the pillowcase. You can't do it, and so we've been involved in others. Marlon and others have been involved in uh, trying to work uh, with them to get over this. And uh, two of the most hard, uh, hardest words to utter sometimes are, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. And right now we're trying to get different ones to say those two words, two phrases. And it's easier said than done. But this is a true proverb that uh, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. Let's go on then to Proverbs 15, verse 3. It's the next one I've selected. Proverbs 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. I used to think that my parents had the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> How in the world did she find that out? Uh, a lot of times, though, you know, we think we're getting away with something, even as adults, but always who is watching? The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. There are uh, a few parallel uh, scriptures as well to this one, Proverbs 15, verse 3 that we've just read. Uh, this shows the range and the persistence of this scrutiny in all place, watching everything, good and evil. But then, come on down to uh, verse 11. And there, uh, it says, Sheol and Abaddon, lie open before the Lord, how much more the heart of the children of man. 
and verses 8 and 9, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. If we could just always keep this in mind, that the Lord is ever watching everything. Uh, he created everything, and he keeps watch over everything. And uh, sometimes maybe when we're thinking that absolutely nobody but myself knows what's going on with me, what I'm involved in, or what I'm thinking. But we know better. We know this, that always the Lord is watching. And who would dare do something despicable uh, in the sight of others? We would never do that. But can't we understand always that uh, the Lord is always there? He's always watching. He sees everything. He looks into the heart knows what's going on in our mind and our thoughts. And so we need to keep in mind the eyes of the Lord are in every place. We've got just a few minutes left. I've got two more that I want us to look at. Proverbs 15, verse 16. And this is self-explanatory. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. One translation I looked at uh, renders treasure and trouble here in this verse as wealth and worry. And it does seem to be uh, a truism that uh, the more wealth that one can obtain, the more you got to worry about. Who needs that? Uh, I think a good contrast is found in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. And there it reads, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some that listens to life-giving reproof 
whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom and humility to